0: Good morning. If you're able, please stand to show reverence to the Lord as we join in hearing his word. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1 through 2, and 15 through 18, pages 97 through 98 in your pew Bibles. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy for I the Lord your God am holy. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Our New Testament reading is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1-8, through 8, page 986 in your pew Bibles. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, because you have become very dear to us. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
1: Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're grateful to you for the joy that we have of reading your word. We thank you for its beauty. We thank you for the grace that's displayed. Help us now, Lord, as, we, as our attention is given to it. Lord, enable us to hear your great grace, your love, and the peace that is offered through your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Back in my truck driving days, I had a CB. That's a citizen's band radio for some of you who aren't familiar with that. The citizen's band consisted of 40 channels along the AM frequency. So it's Citizens band radio is something that we had before cell phones, and the internet, and computers. You know, people people had them in their homes, some would have them in their cars, truck drivers used them to pass on information, or to while away the lonely hours of driving on the road, you know, by talking to, to other drivers. But there were times I would get on the CB and sing. I had a big radio. It means it had a lot of wattage. So when I keyed my microphone, anybody nearby, they had to listen. (laughs) Now let's just say that most people didn't like my singing. They felt it was out of place because I would sing hymns. And the common response was If I wanted to hear that, I'd go to church. I suppose that, that that's the way many feel about the gospel of God. That there are numerous places. They would say that there are numerous places that the gospel doesn't belong. It doesn't belong in the public square. It doesn't belong in the courtroom. It doesn't belong amid much conflict. See, the title of today's message is The Gospel of God Amid Much Conflict. Does the gospel of God belong amid much conflict? doesn't Doesn't it usually bring conflict? And certainly there are many of our brothers and sisters around the world who are believing the gospel in the midst of conflict. Take our brothers and sisters in Nigeria, a mostly Christian nation, They've been under persecution by Boko Haram and and Fulani herdsmen. Churches have lost their property. Christian shop owners have had their businesses destroyed. Girls have been kidnapped from schools, and many of them killed because they are Christians. All kinds of, of horrible suffering They're receiving this, though, but they're still, they're receiving the gospel of God amid much conflict. And while Christ was with his disciples, he sought to prepare them for persecution. You remember the first sermon of the first gospel in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 said this, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How appealing is that? And now if Christ sought to prepare his disciples for persecution so that they might go forward in preaching the gospel, then the question for us is, how do we keep our heads so that in the midst of conflict, we are motivated to declare the good news of God? God. And sometimes I feel like that. That's a lot of what we do as we worship, as we come to the Word of God. That a lot of what we are learning is to prepare for persecution. So we want to discover how the Gospel of God produces this inner resiliency that enables the community of believers to have joy in the midst of agony, trust though tested, to live free. Without faking it. And the text here in Thessalonians shows us that the gospel builds in us courage in conflict. While creating credibility and developing compassion for God's children. So this is the first thing we want to note is courage in conflict. Look at verses 1 and 2 of 1 Thessalonians Chapter 2, for you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. See, what is it about the gospel of God that Paul could say that though they had already suffered and were shamefully treated at Philippi, yet they had boldness in God to declare the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. So to understand this, we have to look back at the, at the, at the end of the previous chapter to see what it is that the gospel inspires. So in 1 Thessalonians, in verses three through six of chapter one, it tells the story of how the gospel was worked, into, in, the, how it says worked in the lives of Paul's readers. They were loved by God, Chosen by God, the gospel came to them in the word of God and the power of God's Holy Spirit. And verse 6 says this, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. See, their conversion, Paul said, sounded forth from them to others beyond their borders into Macedonia and Achaia and, and Paul in Paul's words, everywhere. So verse nine and 10 says this, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we add among you and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. You see, the certainty of being loved by God, being chosen by God, having hope in the return of the Savior who conquered death and delivered us from the wrath to come is what gives courage in the midst of conflict. So if you are certain, isn't this true, if you are certain that you are absolutely loved and that death can't keep you from living, why wouldn't you be bold? As you live, why wouldn't you be confident in the face of being shamed? So Justin Martyr, he was a, a, a first, a second century Christian, uh, and, and, and he writes in his first apology, he writes this. Uh, as he's confidently, you know, you, you'll hear it, his confidence, he confidently challenges his contemporaries. He said this, he wrote this. Do you then, since you are called pious and philosophers, guardians of justice and lovers of learning, give good heed and hearken to my address? And if you are indeed such, it will be manifested. For we have come not to flatter you by this writing, nor please you by our address, but to beg that you pass judgment after an accurate and searching investigation, not flattered by prejudice or by a desire of pleasing superstitious men, nor induced by irrational impulse or evil rumors which have long been prevalent to give a decision which will prove to be against yourselves. For as for us, we reckon that no evil can be done us unless we be convicted as evildoers or be proved to be wicked men. And you, you can kill but not hurt us. (laughs) Is that an odd statement? (laughs) You can kill us but you not hurt us. How is that? So See, see the gospel gives to those whose faith is in Christ that kind of courage. Beat me, wrongfully accuse me, throw me in prison, kill me. I will yet prevail because God has chosen me. Jesus has risen from the dead for me and is returning for me. And he has delivered us from the wrath that is to come. You see, for those whose faith is in Jesus Christ, your life doesn't end in disappointment. It doesn't end in wrath, but it ends in eternal love. Hallelujah. See, the gospel of God in the midst of conflict builds courage in us, even while it's creating credibility. Look at verses verses. 3 and 6 of of 1st Thessalonians 2, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. So, since the gospel has done this transformational work in uh, the community of believers, whereby they now see themselves in union with God through Jesus Christ, they came under scrutiny. Uh, by the public by by the philosophers of the day, by other pagan religions and their fellow Jews, do you recall the reason why Paul and, and Silas had had problems in Philippi? you remember what it was they had cast, They had cast a demon out of the slave girl who had been making money for her owners by telling fortunes see and then they were then they were labeled. By their ethnicity and, and culture. Listen to verse, six, uh, verse 20 and, and 21 of Acts 16. These men are Jews, their ethnicity, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. It was addressing the culture. So in other words, they're saying the gospel doesn't belong here. See, then in Thessalonica, Paul and Silas, you know, they started getting a few people converted and and then the Jews react. Look at verses 5 and 9 of Acts chapter 17. But the Jews were jealous. That it was, a political, it was a political thing. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So a little payola goes a long way. <laughs> See, But this is the background. This is the background that Paul and his companions labored under. See, the message of the good news of God was that it brought both Jew and Gentile together. It freed the slave. It changed lives. It made the unbelieving Jews jealous so that they started a riot. And then later in chapter 2 here in uh, 1 Thessalonians, Paul points how the Jews hindered him from speaking to the Gentiles so that they might be saved. And he says that because of this, the wrath of God has come upon them at last. So so the suffering and the persecution only created credibility for them. They weren't trying to please men. The, The trouble showed that they could be trusted. The persecution proved them to be pure. The adversity showed them to be approved by God. See, there are a lot of reasons that people suffer, isn't that true? There are a lot of reasons that people suffer. But if someone suffers along with you, and they suffer for you, that changes things, doesn't it? That change, yeah, that changes things. Their motives become Trustworthy. See, the trouble was with Paul and his traveling buddies showing how the gospel of God changed lives. It it brought reconciliation, creating genuine credibility. And for their persecutors, it seemed like it didn't belong. So the accusations of impure motives and being greedy like, like the other travelers only proved Paul to be worthy of the gospel of God that had been entrusted to him. So did you notice that? The gospel of God amid much conflict creates credibility and it is strengthened in suffering since it is God who tests the heart, the creation of credibility. And this develops it develops a compassion for God's children. Look at verses 7 and 8. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. See, don't you don't you love the that that contrasting conjunction there? You know, we were accused of all sorts of things so that we are, we're right now, we're riding this, we're on the defensive, but we were gentle among you. See, the gospel of God develops compassion for God's children. The picture that Paul gives us is that of, 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 a, of a nourisher brooding over children, See, the word "mother" in the text is supplied by the translators because it's not it 's not found in, in the manuscript but but it reminds us that imagery reminds us of, of what a nursing mother is actually doing that how they, com- they they convey compassion towards that child in order to keep that child alive and Paul says that the gospel of God teaches them this and what 's remarkable about this is that is that Paul has suffered trauma in his body because of the good news of the gospel of God. And yet, in his body's memory of this, you know know that, right? When you suffer trauma, your body remembers that. You know, uh, you know, your body, your your body has 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 a has had a reaction to it, and and, and it has a memory, and we call it PTSD. You know, yeah. And, the, and he, but Paul, in his body's memory, he experiences compassion for others. And see, and that's not the way traumatic experiences that are suffered in the body usually work. Because usually PTSD, when triggered, you know, the, the body responds as if it's reliving the trauma all over again. But why isn't Paul and the others responding that way? Because usually, usually with, with trauma and how, how it's treated, what calms the person is remembering the safe place. Remembering, meditation reminds them that they're not, that, not experiencing that trauma anymore. So they, they, they actually begin to learn that where they are and what, what's happening, what's taking place, it's not the trauma that they had experienced before, but that they're actually now in a safe place. and So so that the person or the event that had traumatized them, it's been removed. See, and this is what Paul keeps in front of him. You notice how he starts out every every letter, every pr- his prayer, when he starts out, he says, he, he starts out with, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What is he doing? He's he's rehearsing. He's reminding himself as to what it is that's going on. What has happened to him and what's taking place? It is all based in this grace and this peace that God has given in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul keeps in front of him that there's one who suffered for him. Jesus Christ. See, Christ All of this imagery that Paul gives of of the mother and nursing, all of that comes from Isaiah. I mean, it's it's from the Old Testament. Isaiah says this, and in Isaiah 49, 15, we hear this. The Lord asks, can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. To Christ showed that compassion christ showed that compassion of not forgetting his people when he saved paul and other jews like him he saved he christ showed that compassion and this is what paul recognized that the gospel of god which is the good news of jesus christ is the news that god has not forgotten his people christ is that safe place see, Paul saw the compassion of Christ that not only saved him, but welcomes the nations also. Because you see that phrase, the gospel of God, you know, so the gospel is used in a number of ways, and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's the gospel of the kingdom, it's the gospel of God. So, So what does Paul mean as he uses that phrase, and he uses it on purpose, he uses it in several places in his writing to emphasize that the origin of the gospel is from God. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture where Paul uses that phrase is in Romans chapter fifteen, verse sixteen, where Paul talks about his priestly services. He writes this. He writes, But on some points, he's closing out the letter to to Romans, but on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So the Greek word, it's one word that's translated priestly service but but that one word means to defend the sanctity of the law by suffering a violent death Paul says that this is his priestly service think about this now who do you know that has suffered a violent death in order to defend the sanctity of the law Jesus Christ yeah, Jesus, he's the only one who is. So everything that we read in our Old Testament reading, the Leviticus 19, the whole idea of loving your neighbor. I mean, it's, it's a judicious thing that, that that is talking about. It's a legal thing that's happening there and it's, it's taking place in court. But Paul is saying he defend, Jesus defended all that, loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus defended the sanctity of the law by undergoing a violent death. And this is what the table of our Lord shows us. This is what it shows. God wanted to deliver us. Hallelujah. Jesus underwent a violent death for us to escape the wrath of God. So as we come to the table of our Lord, we celebrate the gospel as Jesus entered much conflict. Didn't he not? He entered the conflict to rescue us from the trouble. The table of our Lord shows us that Jesus suffering death on our behalf makes him absolutely the only credible way of salvation. The table of our Lord, we, through this, we see through Jesus nourishing us with his body and blood. We are dearly loved children of the Father who are enabled to share in God's presence. See, here in the communion, Christ's body, the church, remembers the trauma he went through to bring an end to the trauma of our division between God and humanity. And between human and human. Christ forecasted it with joy, anticipating the consummation of our unity. He wants to eat and drink with us. So this is more than a memorial, friends. It's more than a memorial. So so Jesus said in Matthew 26, 29, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom." So come to the table of our Lord, be refreshed by the reality that the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict is our peace. self prepare